says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview a monster weekend of action, which includes junior representative finals, a trip to the top end and a trip to the ditch or across the ditch is my good mate, 60s. We finally got there with the introduction, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing well, mate, but people at home may not be aware of what sort of morning you're having. I don't this want to talk about it. This is about take 27 of yeah, our introduction. More like take 60, it feels like. God damn. So, yeah, rough start for me. Obviously needed to have a morning coffee that I did not have. Uh, the wet weather getting to the old brain uh, sockets there. Uh, before we get into the podcast, though, as always, a shout out to our sponsors, which is Big Swing Golf at Northmead, as well as the star partners, Norellon, Auburn and Parramatta. Couldn't do the show without him, so much appreciation going on there. And before uh, we do talk previous 60s, a quick announcement. Uh, I know we spoke about it to people listening to the podcast about the possibility of a live site for this interstate game in the Northern Territory. But uh, due to a clash with the Wanderers having a home game at Combank, uh, we've been put on the kibosh there. So you can still catch the game on the big screen at Parramatta Leagues, boys and girls, uh, but we won't be there uh, with the clash with the Wanderers. Yeah, we made the decision not to go ahead. This was going to be our first regular season away podcast uh, from within the club. But when you've got uh, the club, will be no doubt will have quite a number of Wanderers supporters in there, in there having a feed before the game and what have you. Uh, it's event parking that takes place because it's a match at the stadium. It was just decided that it was best to have our first away game for uh, a couple of weeks' time when the Eels take on the Raiders in an away game. So look for that. We'll give more information about that leading up to it. Our next appearance, of course, is next week when we take on the Knights at Combank Stadium. So Friday, 6 o'clock, right? forward to that. Yeah, so in that uh, tricky 6 o'clock time slot, but we'll have a good hit out there against Newcastle, hopefully. Before that, though, plenty of football to talk about. Let's start with the junior representatives, mate, because they're in, well, both the Harold Mats and the SG Ball are in grand final qualifying situations, which means they're both out at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday. They've got the afternoon and evening slot this weekend as opposed to the morning slots that they had last week out at Campbelltown. And they're taking on the uh, Newcastle Knights and the Harold Mats and the Canberra Raiders in the SG Ball. Let's start with the Harold Matthews, the under-17s, kick off 4.15 p.m., you can catch this one on New South Wales Rugby League TV as well as TCT via live updates, but you're going to have that live stream up to be able to watch the action blow by blow. And this is going to be... Oh, mate, look, nothing compares to your descriptions and your takes. <laughs> so hopefully hopefully people keep... Uh, they might want to be there in person. They might want to watch it live on the live stream. But without doubt, as our reading numbers suggest, everyone still turns to your live call for your takes and your description of what's happening. Thank you very much. Uh, but looking at this uh, schedule here, 60s, these two games, Eels, Knights, Panthers, Bulldogs, uh, the top four have progressed through to the grand final qualifiers. So the best four teams in the regular season now dance have a dance or two dances to get into the grand final. 1v4, 2v3, uh, Knights holding that second seed against Parramatta's third in the postseason rankings here. Uh, but that doesn't mean much given that these two teams finished on equal points and just 20 points of points differential between them. So very evenly matched coming to this game. Let's look at the Parramatta team, 60s. Uh, I don't think there's any major changes this week. In fact, no changes. So that means Corey Lays at fullback, Dom Ferruja and Aiden Kaburian on the wings, two big athletic wingers there. Uh, Alma, Fatanga Seve and Lachlan Vela in the centres. Uh, junior or Fangalele, Fangalele at 5'8", for Lorenzo Talatina at halfback. In the front row, uh, the very impressive front row must be said, Jordan Uta and Mikhail Tito are the bookends. Zaydas Mwanga Tutia at dummy half. Uh, on the edges, Anthony Abdo and the outstanding captain, Josiah Funayuta. He was tremendous against Cronulla in the first week of the finals. And the tireless lock forward, Tyson Sangalang. The interchange, Lockie Koinakis, he's been very good at the Eels this year. The two big men, or three big men really, because Mark Williams is no, no tiny man himself, but Ocean Vivella, Mark Williams and Mason Ong, round out a, a very beefy bench, and all three of those players were very uh, influential in that game against Cronulla. 
Lincoln Fletcher, Lincoln Fletcher, sorry, is the reserve for the Parramatta Eels. Yeah, and there's a tacky on a Newcastle team. I look at this roster 60s, and you always look for sort of bloodline names, right? Those second gen players. The only one that really jumps out to me is a Diesel Hagen, who uh, who could be related to Michael Hagen, who obviously has some Newcastle pedigree. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else really jumps out there, but uh, uh, there's a Dorothy, a Blake Dorothy. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, there is a Blake Dorothy. Yeah, so yeah, a, a good chance that's a, a, a second gen player there. Uh, but I don't think it might be a third, a third gen, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, the as we have discussed before, this is really hard for us to get any sort of uh, form line on because the Eels and the Knights have yet to clash this year. We haven't really seen too much of the Knights' action outside of highlights. No doubt the Eels have done plenty of homework because there is a vision available from every home from every match in every grade. So the homework would have been uh, done by coach Chris Howard mm-hmm. leading into this game. We, we're really going to be commenting on the Eels and the what the Eels have to offer in this match. Based on last week some of the best defence that you are ever going to see. And if defence is a measure of attitude, as uh, a lot of people believe that it is, then Parramatta hit the game last week with a perfect finals attitude. You just want to see that continue this week. In all honesty, mate, I can I just can't remember a finals match in junior reps where I saw that level of tenacity in defence. Like it, it was, it was something else. The the amount of possession that the Sharks had in the Eels' red zone was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And the the way that the fellas just kept turning up and shutting it down, the and the only try that the Sharks were able to score was uh, when there was a bit of an erratic bounce off a grubber kick, mm-hmm. um, and it it sort of kicked up in the in the air away from Corey Lee. Yeah, he got his hand to it, but couldn't bring it in, and then it just took a kind bounce. Uh, yes. From there, so yeah, I mean, if they can squeeze out another, given that it's a half, it's a thirty-minute halves in this grade, another uh, hundred and twenty minutes of that level of football, they're going to be nearly unbeatable. Uh, you know, if they can just get two more games of that intensity uh, on both sides of the ball, but especially in defense, yeah, it is really hard to see any of the other teams challenging them. But obviously, that's that's an incredible ask because playing at that level would be unprecedented across three games. But they've certainly got the talent to challenge for the title from here. Yeah, I believe that uh, Howie changed up a few things around um, their defensive systems and that they're really just looking like they're a finals, they're playing finals style footy. And it's, I think it's a credit to the way that the team has been able to just keep um, maintaining uh, quite a strong standard throughout the year. Like, there's been certainly they are guilty at times of not playing the full 60 minutes yeah. or, or their completions not being what they should be. But what you could never criticise is their determination to win. And that's been evident all through it. They they probably should not have lost the first round of the year against um, the the roosters. the roosters, not the Central Coast Roosters, but the Roosters. But since then, it's been uh, quality football. Only losing the match, I think it was against the Panthers, was it that they? Yes, they they just lost against the Panthers, I believe. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that was uh, was that the intercept. That was the sure. intercept game, I think, was it? Yeah, because Junior Junior Fungalele went down the left edge. You're right. It was the intercept game, I'm pretty certain. So, yeah. Yeah, they're... so they went for the bigger play rather than um, the uh, a play through the forwards at the end of the game yeah. there when they had the Panthers on the back foot. Yeah, so, so they, they, they literally, I mean, they lost 20-14 to 14 against the Roosters. They lost 22-16 to 16 against the Panthers. They are two like intercept or sort of uh, swinging tries away from being undefeated going into the grand final qualifier. So they've yep. been they've been very good this season and it's just about it's about applying themselves now for the next, you know, sixty minutes in this game and the sixty minutes after that they get past the Knights. And yeah, they've certainly got the personnel to do it. They're a very very well balanced roster. Uh, 
the only knock on their forward pack would be a lack of uh, big size, but they make up for it by being industrious and robust and really physical. And it's been a real highlight of that forward pack is just how physical and uh, how much they're willing to roll their sleeves up in this season. Uh, but outside of that, maybe the long kicking game for the half 60s. I think that, yeah, I think Teletina yeah. and Fungalele do a lot of great work. Their on and off the ball play is fantastic. They run the ball strongly. They support well. Uh, and, and in defense, they both throw their bodies around like the rest of the team. I mean, we saw Fungalele force two errors against Cronulla, and Lorenzo has definitely put some uh, forwards on their backsides this year. Uh, but the long kicking game is probably where their weakness is. So they really need those forwards and outside backs to um, muscle up and, and really get on top in that territorial battle because if they're forced to be kicking from deep in their own halves, uh, that's probably the one weakness of that halves combination. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a fair criticism. So we uh, we're without knowing too much about the Knights, we're we're basing the prediction of a win on the Eels' potential to reproduce similar form mm-hmm. in the finals match to what they produced last in last week's finals, and pretty much in the season thus far, we're looking for improved completions, improved. Uh, territorial uh, meterage from the forwards and outside backs for to lay the platform for uh, better per, better field position for our kicking game, and uh, that will go a long way towards securing a victory. And of course, back to back games for the Eels out at Waikart, five forty five pm kickoff in the SG Ball for the Parramatta Eels. They're taking on the top seeded Canberra Raiders. Just quickly checking this competition, 60s. Did we see the top four progress through in SG Ball? I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, so it's Knights, Panthers, Eels, Raiders, which means looking at the ladder now, uh, it is the top four, yeah. So uh, Parramatta, Penrith, and uh, Newcastle featuring in the top four in both the Mats and SG Ball. Obviously, if you're fans of those three clubs, you like to see that. Uh, doing some good stuff there. Uh and then uh, talking about this game, though, the more important part is uh, one change from the team that ran down the Western Suburbs Magpies last week. Raf Destratus, who I believe suffered a pretty heavy concussion in that game, 60s, he is out. I'd say that's a mandatory uh, Cat 1 stand down for Raf. Uh, so obviously play welfare in action there. So running through this team, you've got uh, Apa Tweedle or Tehoronui Tweedle, Devonta Ivella and uh, Mohamed Alamadine on the wings. Obviously Tweedle at fullback there, sorry. Uh, in the centres, Richard Penasini and Blaise Talangi. A very strong back line there. I uh, really like seeing them come together. In the halves, Josh Lynn and Ethan Sanders. Front row, Lance Fulima, Saxon Pryke and the dummy half, Matty Arthur. In the back row, Dom Bestratus, William Lewis and Captain Charlie Geimer. On the interchange, Sebastian Piacala, Sam Tuovati, Patrick Spence and Kobe Herford, the man who comes in for the injured RAF. Sam Squire is the 18th man or the reserve player. Taking on the top-seeded team in this competition, 60s, the team that accounted for the Eels by, I think it was 42-18, I think. That's correct. Yeah, that's uh, correct. After being very close at halftime, uh, the fullback Chevy Stewart for Canberra in that particular game really blowing the Eels off the park, you know, both at the end of the second half of that late try and then I think he bagged a double in the second half to make it a hat-trick. He's not playing this game. He's going so well that they put him up the jersey flag where he did so well that they put him up to New South Wales Cup. And they've actually got the week off in senior football, I think, but he's not been named, given that they're, it looks like they're preserving him for maybe even a beyond New South Wales Cup honours at this point. So he's doing fantastically well. Uh, they've replaced him with Samuel Gash. Uh, but they've, uh, they were a very good team when the Eels played them. Um, I see an Iasefa. He was there last time. Maybe, away, uh, maybe a relation to the former Panthers dummy half there. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, there's an Afa Masanga. Uh, Clydesdale. Uh, what else is there? There's a wolf. Uh, I don't know about that one though. So it looks like there could be some, you know, uh, bloodlines in this team, but they just play some good football. You know, they finished on top of the ladder, and I don't think they lost the game, did they? They lost one game. So yeah, yeah. They, when they beat us, both teams were going in yeah, as unbeaten. That's right. But I think they did lose one uh, soon after. But yeah, um, so they also had a, the best for and against. The, oh no, didn't have the best for and against the competition. The Sydney Roosters uh, had plus 210, and they finished six. So go figure out what that one is. They they obviously absolutely blasted some teams, uh, but didn't win that many games. So. Yeah, that's the, that's the vagaries of the draw. Yeah, that is the vagaries of the draw. You're right. You, when you, you know, got, like if you get if you get 
one or two games against uh, teams that are performing really poorly at the bottom of the table, it can blow out the uh, differentials. And I think we saw that last year when the Eels failed to qualify for finals football. It might have been the year before. year before, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, with the SG ball. On that, for and against. Um, yeah. There was... Um, I think uh, one of the one of the teams pretty much packed it in. Whether it was Norse or mm-hmm. uh, might have been Norse that packed it in at the end of that year, and I think there was a score that was like a ninety point blowout or something like that. That um, uh, was one of the teams Parramatta was competing against for for a place in the top six, and they just got blown away with yeah. the differential with and that I- one game. Obviously, we acknowledge that in the junior representatives scheduling, there is only a certain amount of time uh, with that nine-week program plus finals. But when you've got a 16-team competition and you play other teams eight or nine times, depending on whether you get the draw, the buy or not, sorry, uh, there's going to be some wildly inconsistent results, isn't, isn't there? So uh, the Eels, to their credit, you know, won enough to get through to the finals uh, and get into that top four finish. And now they've got to get the job done against a very, very good Canberra Raiders outfit. So... Going back to that game we played against them, 60s, the Eels didn't play their best football in the second half, obviously, uh, but they were also missing a few players in the back line that are now available today. Uh, Richard Penasini, obviously the younger brother of Will, very good prospect in his own right, and Blaze Talangi, who is a 5'8 come centre now and looks very much at home in the centre three-quarter line, uh, especially with the ball in hand where he's so lethal running against the defence. I think they're going to be big into the Parramatta Eels, but in saying that, uh, this is a game where the middles need to aim up the halves need to be efficient. They need to kick well. They need to execute well. They can't afford cheap turnovers. So you've got to be on your A game against this Canberra Raiders outfit. Yeah, it's fair to say that the attack really didn't click last week against Wesson. And credit to the uh, Magpies in that game because they really turned up. And it was a very physical game of football. And really, the Eels only essentially got in front in that final six or seven minutes. Yes, they hit the lead uh, at one point in the second half, but it was very short-lived <laughs> when they when they hit that lead because they conceded a try almost immediately, which put them uh, behind the West's Magpies. So the Magpies held the lead for a lot of the game and were really able to nullify an Eels attack that didn't quite click. But thankfully, when it mattered, the Eels were able to put on two tries, and uh, Matty Arthur was instrumental in both of those. He scored the final try himself, but prior to that, he put on a, a play coming out of uh, dummy half with Muhammad Alamadeen, put Alamadeen through. Um, he made a strong charge up through the middle, found Sanders. Sanders found uh, Arpa Tweedle, who then uh, scooted away for about 40 metres or so to the try line, and it came at a time when they were under real pressure. There didn't seem to be any likelihood at that stage of them breaching the West's defence. And they, in fact, they were struggling to get out of their own red zone. And as I said, only about six, seven minutes left to play at that stage and behind by four points on the scoreboard. So a try under the posts right then and there, mm-hmm. manufactured with uh, three of the spine players and the winger, it was much needed. And Alamadine's probably a player we should give a tip of the hat to because he played fullback in the Harold Matthews where he did a good but not great job, I think, personally. But making that jump to the wing in the SG ball, he's really found his place in this team. He plays tough, physical football, uh, runs the ball hard, and has shown that he can, you know, that experience playing the spine means that he can do a bit of a sort of plus playmaking for a winger in the team when he links up with the other spine players. So doing a really good job there on the flank. And, yeah, this is a team that on paper – have every right to consider themselves worthy of contending. You know, they've got a great back line, a big physical forward pack, some really clever spine players. There, there is a, I would dare say in this team, there is a lot of players that view themselves as legitimate NRL pathways players. And they've got to bring that sort of, uh, you know, potential to the fore in this game against Canberra. Yeah, so there's a number of the players that were part of the NRL preseason prior to Christmas there was probably about 13, roughly 13 to 15 players from uh, SG Ball or Jersey Leg 
mm-hmm. that were part of that preseason. So you'd want there to be obvious benefits that you're seeing now from the time spent with the NRL coaches and uh, training staff. And uh, maybe we're starting to see the benefit of that. These number of these players, when their commitments are up, will move up into the Jersey flag squad for the remainder of the year. And uh, it will be, well, let's hope that the season extends for two more matches. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. The, so once again, we're, we're coming out of Leichhardt Oval. I quite When it's uh, junior rep football, I quite enjoy the view at Leichhardt Oval. You're nice and close. I'm never a fan of the transport down it, to... It is ridiculous how Leichhardt. for a junior rep fixture, whether it was finals or not, the fact that parking's still hard at Leichhardt Oval. It's crazy. Parking and then the traffic getting out yeah. of the place. Mm-hmm. I, I, had, I had one instance where... Uh, it took me 45 minutes to actually get out of Leichhardt itself after a junior rep match. And I, I can't believe that it took that long, but it actually did. It, it, that was mostly trying to get through one intersection. Yeah, the, that one, was, that, the one that feeds back to – is it, it becomes Elizabeth Street and the other side of Parramatta Road, but whatever that one that leads to Parramatta Road is, uh, it's across the bay. It's real, real nasty trying to turn back across it, so – yeah, so the Eels looking to take on two very, very good teams in the Newcastle Knights and the Canberra Raiders in the junior rep 60s. They've certainly got the players and the talent to beat them, uh, but it's going to take concerted team efforts. Obviously, like we said, you can get the coverage on TCT or the New South Wales Rugby Week live stream. But that brings us to Sunday, chronologically the last game of the weekend for the Parramatta Eels. Uh, but they're travelling across the ditch to take on the second-place New Zealand Warriors. They're doing very good things in this grade, actually. Uh, they've actually knocked off the Bulldogs, the only team that beat the Bulldogs. So they're playing some very, very good football. This is going to be a tough one on, on multiple fronts for the Parramatta Eels 60s. Not only are they travelling across the ditch, they're playing a 10 o'clock game against one of the best teams in the competition, and they're, at least on paper right now, seriously down on some troops. So this is going to be yeah. a, a monumental task for the boys and Nathan Kalis. But, uh, and I think, um, I think also, just to interrupt there, there are a number of those players who are up in Darwin yeah, so that's probably the other factor there. Well, I say the other probably it is the other factor. There's going to be players like Bowie Simonson and Jake Arthur who have been named that are going to fly up to Darwin. They're already in Darwin, fly up to Darwin. They're there training in the tropics, and they're going to fly back on uh, the red eye or the midnight flight uh, from the game on Friday, and they're going to go get ready to fly over to New Zealand for the Sunday game. So they're, they're going to be uh, doing it pretty rough. So this is a very, very difficult game. The deck is stacked against Parramatta. Let's go through their team quickly and see what they can do with the personnel available 60s. Uh, at fullback, we have Dejan Arcee. On the wings, Joshua Minhinnick and Bailey Simonson, who makes his return from that two-game suspension for uh, clocking Teddy around the chin. Uh, Isaac Lumi Lumi and Zach Senior in the centres. Reminder, no Wunga Blake since we saw him leave the field of a shoulder or collarbone complaint against the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. In the halves, currently right now, we have Jordan Rankin and Jake Arthur. Front row, we've got one big change there for Matt Casey Makatoa dropping back from the NRL where he partners off of Hickey Ogden. Jaden Yates will take over for Mitch Rain at dummy half. Again, not sure if injury, suspension, uh, lack of passport are in play for these changes for the Parramatta Reels. Uh, got Dan Keir, Jack Murchie and Luca Moretti uh, in the back row. We no doubts about Jack Murchie having his um, passport ready given that he played for the Warriors last year, 60, so silver lining there for him. Uh, you got Manny Luke, Tony Matelli, Jonte Jr., Bevan Mesa, and Kai Rodwell on the interchange. That's a big set of young forwards on the interchange there. Tavita Talmapenu, the 18th man. But yeah, this, so we're missing Mitch Rang, we're missing Wanga Blake, we're missing uh, Matthew Komalafi on one wing. Uh, we're missing, uh, obviously, uh, no Matt Dury, but he was also missing last week after being recalled to the NRL. Uh, and uh, Momosia. No, Jiren Momosia. So we, once again, we don't know if it's Form, injury, suspension, or visa, or visa slash passport, sorry. Uh, these are all you know factors that are in, in play right now, given that it's an international fixture across the ditch. And for the Parramatta Hills, it means that they're desperately short on troops uh, after copying. I mean, on the scoreboard, it probably wasn't a hiding, but in terms of the, the flow of the game, it was a pretty big, you know, pretty big beating by the Canberra Bulldogs last week. And they desperately need a bounce-back game, but they're going to do it tough this week to find that result. Now, I don't know what the scenario is. I, I haven't been digging around on socials too much 
I'm not sure how many players that the Eels took up to Darwin. If they've only taken a few extra on top of the NRL squad, it's not the greatest prep for either the NRL team or the New South Wales Cup team because there's no opposed session then part of the training this week. Uh, you, you look at that and you see players playing in somewhat different positions and as soon as the preparations are disrupted as they are this week it doesn't it doesn't hold them in good stead like I'm a little bit surprised and I don't know whether this isn't necessarily how the team is going to run out there that uh, Lumi Lumi was selected at centre and Bailey Simonson on the wing if that's the the team that runs out there, it wouldn't surprise to see that swapped around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The bench is well. We didn't. We admitted we didn't know too much about many Luke. We know he's been playing with Wenty in the Ron Massey Cup, and that he is uh, a dummy half. But outside of that, it's really our first. Um, knowledge of him playing or being part of the Eels system. Yeah. That we believed he was part of the Panthers system at the, at start, the start of this year. year. Exactly. He played against the Eels in that reserve grade trial. Uh, but yeah, again, because it's an international fixture across New Zealand, passports are an issue here because the Jersey flag do have the buy. So, that, you know, in another game, in another place, they might have been able to call upon more of their flag talent that would be better prepared for international, not having to be prepared for international football. Uh, obviously, in that flag team, you, you think straight away about Nick Lennar's 60s, who could have done a, a pretty handy job with the bench playing the same role that Jaden Yates plays as that hybrid uh, lock forward slash dummy half. But in this case, they've gone with Manny Luke. Uh, in terms of the outside backs, I mean, we copped a lot of injuries in the, the flag recently, so someone like Terrell Williams, that might have been probably the guy you'd look at, he's now unavailable because he got that, uh, I believe it was a knee injury maybe. Uh, so, yeah, the... The options were a bit scarce from the Jersey Flake this week, unfortunately, due to the combination of injuries and the logistics of an international game. And yeah, it's, it's caused Eels have to stretch pretty thin on their depth pool, going straight to that uh, Ron Massey uh, sort of pile of players. Based on exposed form, you'd have to say that the Eels are going to have to lift in a big way because yeah. the, the, the last two weeks have been disappointing. Two weeks ago... Well, I say disappointing. They got they managed to manufacture a win against the West Magpies. They had a lot of possession. The attack just wasn't quite happening, but they did win the game. They did come away with the two points. The last week, however, it all fell apart against the Bulldogs. They probably looked fairly similar to how they were against the Jets at the start of the I think, year. I think that's fair, yeah. I think uh, that, that's that's the comparison point got, that I draw. Got exposed by some pace out wide um, against the Jets. It was Stone Street that absolutely tore him apart. And against the Dogs, was it Wilson 60s? Was that his name? I think it was Wilson that bagged the double and went for 200 metres against them. So uh, their, their edges have been vulnerable to those speedy wingers. Um, and I don't think that the changes this week are going to help particularly in that regard just because of you know a lack of personnel available. But that means they've got to make this game a real sort of gritty, you know, drag them in, uh, knock them down sort of affair. They've got to be ugly for the forwards and just spoil everything and um, give players like Jake Arthur a chance to engineer a couple of, you know, not not fortuitous, but opportunistic tries where it's from a grubber kick or, you know, a bit of second-phase play and maybe win this game in like sort of the vein of like, you know, 14-10, 18-12 sort of territory. Yeah, it's, I guess, if we're going in with expectations that they're going to do it tough any any positive is going to be uh, taken gladly but look I think as Clint said when we were doing our news podcast he wanted to see the same resolve in the New South Wales Cup team that we saw in the junior reps last week Mm -hmm. where you just keep turning up and doing the job and Effort plays is what we're really looking for this week. If we're not quite there with execution, if that's still off, let's just compete with effort plays. Let's just keep turning up. And and you you just don't know where that takes you in a game. The number of times where you see 
teams just hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there, and they draw frustration out of an opposition that might be expecting that they're going to get an easier win. And we're not we're not suggesting that the Eels aren't capable of a win. I think last week was a massive case of underperforming with the team that the Eels were able to trot out against the Bulldogs. I I thought it was very much a a, a group of players that were below their best. We need them at their best, and if they're still not at their best, we just need them putting in a, a big effort against the Warriors in the uh, in this New South Wales Cup game. Yeah, it's going to be a real character game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's probably a great way to sum it up. We want to see some character from the players this week. I'm sure that that's going to be the demands of Coach Nathan Kalis as well. So um, now that's with that behind us. We're already up to the NRL game with uh, with us not having a yeah, Tarshu well, and a flag game to look right. at. So the preview's making some moves on a, on a timely schedule this week. Uh, so we get into the main event, the one that actually chronologically kicks off first tomorrow, Friday, 8 o'clock p.m. It is the Anzac match. Uh, this round starts from, uh, what, tonight, Thursday, with the Rabbitohs and the Panthers playing, I think, 60s. And it actually goes right through to Tuesday, Anzac Day, where the two traditional Anzac games between... Uh, Melbourne and New Zealand and the St. George Dragons and the Roosters. take No place. matches on Monday. Yeah, no matches on Monday. So uh, I'm, the bitter part of me, if I look at this draw quickly, we'll expect that those four teams probably play on Sunday next week. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the NRL have taken care of them. <laughs> uh, and indeed, yes, they are. Uh, well, except for the Melbourne Storm have a bye. The other three teams all play on Sunday. So uh, the Eels get the five-day turnaround coming into Anzac round, by the way. No, no bitterness from me right there, boys. Uh, but let's start with the uh, two teams. We'll go uh, the sort of versus comparison here this week. So at fullback for the Broncos, it's Reese Walsh up against Captain Quinton Gufferson for the Parramatta Reels. On the wings, you've got Corey Oates returning for the Broncos and Selwyn Cobbo. Big pair of flankers right there up against Mike Acevo and Hayes Dunster. Mike are obviously not giving away too much in terms of the, the pure physicality there, but Hayes, uh, as well built as he is, isn't quite in the same postcode as Oates and Cobbo. In the centres, this is a great matchup. Stags and Farnworth up against Will Penatini and Sean Russell. Uh, I believe it'll be uh, Farnworth versus Penatini and uh, Stags versus Russell. So very, very good matchup there for Will Penatini in particular. Sean Russell's going to have to earn his lunch money this week. Uh, Katoni Stags is a devastating ball runner. He's going to be uh, having to be on all sort of uh, all hands on deck there to lock him down. In the halves, a couple of young guns, Ezra Mam and Dylan Brown. A couple of old heads, Adam Reynolds and Mitchell Moses, really balanced halves pairings for both teams there. In the front row, well, this is probably where all the uh, big fireworks are going to be, 60s. The middle forwards for these two teams are outstanding. It's uh, Tom Flegler, Payne Haas versus Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Barlow. Billy Walters and Josh Hodgson in the dummy halves. On the edges, you've got Sean Lane and Bryce Cartwright up against Capewell and Ricky. And a lock forward, Captain Patrick Carrigan, he's been outstanding for the Broncos. Up against Ryan Madison, who equally has been brilliant for the Parramatta Reels. On the interchange, Corey Pakes, Corey Jensen. We're spelt differently, though. Corey, no E, Pakes. Corey E, Jensen. Uh, Kobe Heffington, Martin Tapau. Up against Jermaine Hopgood, Brendan Hands, William McGregg, and Matt Dury. Extended benches, Jesse Arthurs, Keenan Palacia, Jock Madden, Brendan Piacura. One of those young players that hasn't kicked on yet. Uh, interesting to see how he's, he's going in the Q Cup. And uh, Dean Mariner, who I just re-signed till the end of 2027, I want to say. So obviously they rate him pretty well. Uh, Jake Arthur, Jack Murchie, Mackesi Makatoa, Bailey Simonson and Dejan Arcee for the blue and gold. Two very good teams on paper, 60s. The Broncos high-flying in the competition. They come into the round with just the one defeat at the hands of the Canberra Raiders. Six wins, best one against by eight points over the Panthers, uh, plus 86. Uh, so they've been the team to chase this season. Uh, the Eels, though, tend to match up pretty well against the Broncos. Not to say they can't get beaten. We saw them getting beaten pretty well at Combank Stadium last year in pretty ordinary conditions. But the brand of football that the Parramatta play tends to match up pretty good against the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos certainly have got a young all-star backline, haven't they? When you look at the likes of Walsh, Staggs, Farnworth, Cobbo, even Ezra Mam, who's coming along as a 5'8". Their forwards... It's a fierce uh, pack. It's a young... It, Aggressive, mobile. They love second phase football. Yeah, it's look. It's little wonder that they're going so well at this time of the year. You'd have to think that their collapse last year was mental rather than yeah. um, 
any anything to do with ability. Agreed. And and maybe it was also a measure of uh, Walter's relative newness to the coaching ranks yeah, not, as well. Not be able to pace the team properly through the full course of a season, I'd say. Uh, because yeah. as we always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And the ability to finish that season strongly is what separates the, not pretenders, but uh, the teams that aren't necessarily ready to make that finals push properly from the ones that are. Looking at the looking at both teams, there's it's a mix of strengths matching up against each other. I think it almost balances out where where the Eels have some strength. The the Broncos might be just a bit below that, and I'm I'm looking at that from the forwards perspective. But then when I look at the at the backs, maybe the Broncos have got a slight edge there. The Eels sitting just just behind those, but if we're looking at the spine, the if the Eels players are all in form, then I think we've got the edge in the spine. I think we've got the um, a slight edge in the middle forwards. That should really be enough to take the Eels a long way towards victory. However, rugby league involves a little bit more than just players performing at their best. It's especially when you're playing get, <laughs> Yeah, who's going to deal? Who's going to deal with the tropical conditions the best? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's, it's look, a fascinating matchup on paper. I mean, the like you said, the Broncos are such a well-rounded team, but the Eels too have their strengths to match up against them. So, uh, when they did meet in Darwin a couple of years ago, the Eels, I think they went was it forty-eight four, forty-eight eight. It was a. It was. Uh, an absolute th- uh, thrashing. It wasn't a, a the Eels, fair spanking, the yeah. So, and it look, it's there are a lot of Broncos players that are still around from that team. However, they are a little bit older, a little bit wiser, more experienced. They've had other players brought into the team that's given them greater balance within the squad, uh, greater strike power. I think that. It's going to be a matter of can the Eels lift on what they've produced lately because we know that they're going to have to perform better than they have in the last couple of weeks against the uh, West Tigers and the Bulldogs to be able to hope to defeat the Broncos. I don't think similar performances are going to be enough to get the job done. The Broncos will be smarting by that last round loss to the Raiders, they—I don't think their their mental approach was spot on against the Raiders. The Raiders caught them by surprise. The Raiders kept competing really physically against them all match. It put them right off their game. I—I I don't know that that's necessarily how the Eels will need to play to beat the Broncos. I—I I simply think that playing Parramatta footy, where uh, yes, there is that level of physicality because, as Brad says, they like he wants his players to be involved in those collisions and to win those collisions. Uh, I think the Canberra Raiders played a little bit more niggle than um, yeah, they, rather than just the physicality yeah, last week. Played spoilers I, I, very good. Yeah, and, and maybe the Eels had a little bit of niggle against the Bulldogs. They certainly went after Reed Marnie in that match, but it's. I don't know that it's in our game to be involved in the niggle. Um, I think what we have to be able to do is the, the basics of rugby league, and I spoke about it before even with the junior reps. We can't afford to turn over cheap ball against the Broncos because you've got an experienced halfback in Adam Reynolds there who is going to be the the player to settle and guide his team if it looks like they're getting ahead of themselves. You've He's got a kicking game where his accuracy is probably second to none. He maybe doesn't have as big a kicking game as Mitch Moses. But he's not far off it, but he's just very, very accurate with his kicking. Yeah. He's, he's and gonna, composed, just very, very composed with his kicking game. You, you know that he's going to be doing the, the sort of requisite homework on the Paramaterials defensive shapes and where he can drop in those really testing little kicks that pick out certain pockets of uh, open space near the goal line. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but the um, the forcing the line dropout from our perspective last week, it seemed to be that it was uh, after the after the Bulldogs did the first two long kicks with the dropout and then chance their hand at the short dropout. It was short dropouts from there on in. And they they came up with probably about a 90% success rate after missing their first two yeah, and that won't opportunities. Be lost. That won't be lost on Reynolds and the Broncos. No, I, some, that's why I raised it. because They've got, what, Oates, Cobbo, Farnworth, Stags. Uh, Cape yeah. pretty handy under the high ball too. So they've got yeah. plenty of uh, options to kick to for those short contested restarts. Uh, yeah. One one matchup that really stands out to me on paper for almost the uh, bipolar nature of it is the the one ninety centimeter fullback Gufferson, who is a relentless, you know, just workhorse on and off the ball, and the one seven one seventy seven centimeter light wire, uh, live wire lightweight Reese Walsh, who in terms of the two fullback builds, uh, you would not find a bigger contrast in the NRL. Yet the play that Reese Walsh is on record saying he's trying to model his game off as he pushes for the uh, returns or a debut on the Origin Arena, sorry, uh, is Gufferson himself. So, you know, this is the – it's not really a master and the apprentice sort of game because Walsh, and he's still only 20 years old, 60s, uh, is having an absolute, you know, tearaway start to this season. But, you know, the player that he's really trying to look to model his game on, he gets a chance to come up against him this week. Is he trying to model himself from a perspective of involvement? Uh, involvement, off-the-ball work. Um, you know, because Guffo really sets gold standards or even platinum standards. In so, like, literally, the only thing that Guffo really doesn't have a, a platinum standard is the outright speed. Right? That is the one knock on his game is that uh, between those leg injuries that he sustained as a, a youngster and and maybe just as a pure athletic cap, he hasn't quite got the elite speed that some of the other fullbacks have. But he make up he makes up for it. Sorry, by being as we mentioned in that post game thing. If you look at his athletic spider graph between playmaking and off-the-ball support and communication, he's like eights and nines across the board as opposed to some other fullbacks which would have, you know, tens in the speed and whatnot stakes. Yep, yep. Do you see – we we talked a little bit about this in Team List Tuesday. Do you see any late changes to the team? Do you think BA is going to be tempted to bring Bailey Simonson in Maybe. for either Sean Russell or yeah. Hayes? I could see Bowie coming into this team either at centre uh, or wing. If you put him at centre, I probably think you push Sean Russell to the wing 60s, where I just think he's a bit more well-conditioned uh, in terms of game fitness right now with Hayes coming back from that devastating knee injury where he probably just needs a bit more time to cook uh, coming back to his best. So that's definitely an option. I think there's definitely a, a reshuffle in the forwards on the cards. We named the same team in terms of the forwards, or most of the same team in terms of the forwards last week. McIntyre was there as well because there was no uh, Josh Hodgson. Uh, but then we put Madison onto the edge, Cartwright to the bench, and Hopgood to start at lock. So that's a possibility here this week as well. Although having a, a, a good minutes forward, minutes middle forward, sorry, on the bench in these Darwin conditions or Darwinian conditions, not the worst idea here. So I could see the Eels staying with the team as named uh, in terms of the forwards. Uh, and then looking at that bench, I'm pretty happy with it in general. I suppose the only concern would be uh, Woody, who... I say concern, he's coming off a very, very good game against the Bulldogs where uh, his involvement metrics were actually top of the NRL last week. Uh, there are some, there's some stat keeping that goes on in the wider stats community that sort of measures their per play, per minute involvement. And uh, Woody went for over 100 metres in his short stint and actually dominated the NRL last week in his uh, effort and involvement rates, which is exactly what you see from an impact forward on the bench, isn't it, 60? So, it, it is. Uh, uh, there's a lot of mobility in the Broncos forwards, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, and so that, that you know, between that and just the, the extra fatigue of Darwin's conditions, you know, uh, Greg, I don't want to say he could be a liability, but he could be an option for the, the Broncos to sort of target. So that that would be my concern from the interchange. Um, you could bring Makatoa or Murchie in, I suppose. Uh, but at the same time, he also, he's coming off a, trem- a tremendous game, so I don't really want to put too many, like, you know, uh, burrs into him there. So it's maybe it's one of those games where you can't have a preconceived idea about when you want to make changes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, obviously every game you've got a you know a rough script for your interchange rotations, but this in in these conditions in this sort of game, especially when it might be the first year we see thunderstorm sixties. All the years we've played at Darwin, and it's been humid and moist and tropical, but no rain. There is a forty percent, fifty percent chance of thunderstorms on Friday night. So you've got to be willing to really play like play what the conditions give you and what the game gives you 
in terms of your interchanges. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get into some predictions. Ooh. Yeah, I know I said I'd keep saying I keep tipping the Eels to win big until they win big, and that game against Canterbury probably wasn't the, the quite the the win big category. But yeah, I got to give my due respects to the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, they yeah, they're too good a team to tip a big win against, even if the Eels have done that historically. Um, so I will go. Goodness, who am I going to go for first try scorer? Maybe Ryan Madison first try scorer. Yeah. That's that's a fair call. I'm going to go with Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses, yeah. I like that. Uh, slippery sort of conditions. Halves can, with a bit of speed, can cause those tackle breaks. Um, I will go for the Parramatta Eels to win. Gosh, these Darwin conditions. Um, I feel like it feels like they're either like really torrid, sort of twenty to fourteen or twenty to eighteen affairs, or big blowouts. I'll lean towards it being a more torrid affair, uh, maybe 24-20 for the Eels. With, with, who's going to be the best player on the field, 60s? Maybe Quentin Gufferson to be best player on the field, this one. You know, it's funny because I was going to predict 24-20 to 20 and then I was thinking to myself, I think Adam Reynolds is likely to kick every opportunity, goal kicking opportunity that comes his way. That could still that could still so, be three tries and a penalty goal. So I, I was thinking that as well, but I'm thinking it's gonna be something like about five tries to four. I'm tipping Moses to miss a kick or two, Adam Reynolds to get all of his and a score line of Eels twenty six, Broncos twenty four. So I think I think we're going to be put through the agony <laughs> of, a, of a close match. Thank goodness there isn't a live site this week then. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, it, look, I can't, I can't help but see that, look, our defence was a lot better last week against the Bulldogs, but by the same token, the Bulldogs' spine threw nothing at the Eels. Let's face it, they scored a try off a kick in behind Hayes Dunster. And apart from that, they were just hoisting those torpedo bombs and hoping for the best. Yeah. And that, that's basically all they threw at the Eels. So it, it wasn't a great challenge defensively. Prior to that, we, we've had our struggles against teams that move the ball around. The Broncos like to move the ball around. They've got mo- very mobile forwards. They've got fast backs. If, if we only concede four tries, I think we'll be doing well. I'll be ecstatic if we concede less than four tries, just based on the conditions that we're playing in, the quality of the opponent and our current form. I think that we've got four or five tries in us against a, a Broncos team who, from time to time, can open up. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be a really... Close, relatively high-scoring game. And let's hope that it continues our charge up the table because we can get a real roll on it. If if we get through this, we can get a real roll on right now. Yeah. I don't want to lose the momentum that the Eels may just have started with, the, with these last two yeah, victories. Yeah, so a win against Brisbane obviously would be an upset in terms of roster position, but not really against the, the talent two squads. It'd be quite even in terms of that. But you win against Brisbane this week. You get the host Newcastle Knights on the. Uh, it's a it is a seven day turnaround, so you have a, a chance to recuperate a little bit. Then there's that tricky the the second game after the Darwin game that we always speak about sixties. That's magic round against the Titans. So that's a winnable game right there. Even if the Eels going to be coming into that one fatigued, then you go to Canberra. Then you go to the Rabbitohs. So you want to get these wins done now because you got a road you got to that road trip to Magic Round. Uh, Canberra and uh, well, I say Allianz Stadium in a road trip, or is, is it back to being Allianz Stadium? I thought it was a core stadium. Um, uh, but yeah, you want to get those wins now because the the Raiders and the Rabbitohs aren't anywhere near chump change. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is where you we start to accrue points, and you want to stay with the pack right now. You don't want to fall behind and start looking at 
mathematically what's our best likely uh, finish at the end of the season. We don't we don't want to be starting to talk in those terms. And with the way the competition's been going lately, these teams just uh, there's teams that keep winning that we're not expecting to win. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of them there. But in saying that, you win against the Broncos. And that for and against that the Eels have done so well to preserve that we mentioned in that news podcast sixties, you probably finished around inside the top eight. So yeah. you know it's a it's a big game this week. And uh, yeah, from- I I haven't given my best uh, my prediction for uh, best on field either. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Matto. Matto, yeah. Well, the way he's playing, he's always going to be in the mix for that. He's uh, really picked up from where he left off last year, and that that we speak about all the time, but that versatility to play on the edge at a high level and then also come into the middle and be that, you know, quality workhorse, uh, a guy that just doesn't pad stats, he also fights through for the post-contact meters, is very, very important to this team. So good pick there, 60s. And yeah, what a massive game. It's a litmus test. It's a chance to get back into the top eight uh, and it's a chance to really set up a run through the mid-season ahead of a couple of tough games on the road. So plenty in play for the Parramatta Eels this week, 60s. Let's see. Um, you know what we on. haven't mentioned? Guess who the referee is? Yeah, I, I choose not to mention it because if, it's one of those ones where if you don't talk about it, he can't influence the game. But Ashley Klein. Okay, holds. we won't. No, 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 no. Let's go back. Let's <laughs> go back and edit. Go back. Go, and edit. go back and post no, no, and, and cut it out. But yeah, unfortunately for the Parramatta Reels, Ashley Klein does hold the whistle in this game. Uh, so they're going to have to be battling against that as well as a very, very good opposition outfit. But. We, we've seen them build and build in the last couple of weeks. They're getting back to full fitness, uh, by and large. They do have, you know, obviously uh, Wong is out, but he was also being dropped on form. But uh, this is a team that has absolutely the potential to knock over the Broncos. It's time for them to put it all together in Darwin. Yeah, absolutely true. So, mate, there's only one thing to say at this stage. Thank you for joining us. And go you go bloody you eels. Yeah, exactly. Catch you guys on the next episode. Stay safe until then.